Coming to you direct from the heart of New York City all the way to wherever you are, you're listening to The VIP. Jazz War Report, ladies and gentlemen, divorce in America is a topic that's frequently discussed because it happens so frequently. But very few shows actually go into the impact on children. And I've always wondered when couples divorce... Does the family divorce as well? Because it must be so stressful for the kids. I mean, what goes through their young minds? What do they feel? How do they manage? How do they choose when their loyalty is tested? But how will we know unless we really speak to them? Well, today I have Darby Fox, and she's one of America's leading child and adolescent family therapists who's going to give some valuable advice on how to manage the children of divorce. But in addition, she's brought along two young people who'll give us an insight into how divorce impacts their world. Welcome to the show, Darby. Thank you for having me. And of course, you know, to respect the privacy of our young guest, I've changed her name. So for purposes of this show, I'm going to call her Aviana. Welcome to the show, Aviana. Thank you. Oh, you sound uh, all good. Are you as nervous yeah. as I am? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, let's get into it. Uh, Darby, I just wanted to ask, you know, in your practice, in, in, the, in the sort of services that you offer, I mean, what, what do you find the main issues that are never addressed when it comes to kids in a divorce? The main issue that we see is, especially when parents first divorce, mm. is they, they say they want to put the kids first, but they actually don't put the kids' needs first. They put their own needs and their bitterness in the forefront, and that can be very harmful for the kids. It doesn't need to be as destructive as it becomes. Well, you know, I mean, um, when you get divorced, at some point you have to tell the kids you're getting divorced. How does one actually communicate that? It's best to do it jointly, of course, Mm -hmm. both parents there, and obviously reiterate that you really love them and it's not about them, Mm. um, that you're still going to be a family, but you're going to live separately, that you cannot, that you just cannot get along, Mm -hmm. and you still will always put the kids first. Keep any details of why you're divorcing out of it and just express that you will still continue to be there for both for your children but you know i mean kids sometimes find it hard to communicate and you know when you reach teenage years it gets even more difficult it seems so how does a parent know if the kids are generally okay because you know kids tend to keep everything bottled up inside they do they it's very normal to see the teenagers withdraw and kind of rely on their friends but it's a good sign if they've, they've stopped doing things with their friends mm-hmm. or if they're very resistant to even acknowledge or talk about it in any way. Mm-hmm. If they used to have friends over to your house a lot and suddenly when there's two separate homes, they don't bring anyone around, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff is a sign that they really are struggling with it and maybe you need to seek some professional help. And that's where you come in, right? Exactly. So what's the fir- what, what are the top three things that you advise parents to do when they notice a change in behavior with their kids? Um, The top three things, first of all, they need to have a a frank discussion with their child, and especially as a teenager, Mm. and say, you know, is this about the divorce? How can we help you? Oftentimes, um, children will respond that um, the parents put them in the middle. That's the number one thing that we hear 
is it is so difficult to be put in the middle. Mm -hmm. So they tend to really withdraw to avoid any kind of interaction. And that can be really troubling for teenagers because they have so many pressures at that stage. Well, let me go to Ivana. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. That was the second point. They have to take sides. You have to what? That they have to take one parent's side. There's usually a stronger parent, someone who's adjusting more easily than the other, Mm. and often the kids feel that they have to take the side of one parent or the other. And usually if there's a weak parent, they may even feel they need to parent them, and that is very common. And the third thing? And the third thing would just be that they are caught in the constant fighting. You give them, the parents give the child, you know, your dad didn't pay this week, or... And, you know, it's very hard to stay away from those things. I don't like who he's dating. Did he bring that one around? A lot of questions about your interaction with the parent that you're, whichever parent you're not with, to really pester them about the life of the other parent is very difficult for kids because they feel they're betraying both of you if they don't answer. Let me take this uh, to Aviana. Um, Aviana, how old are you now? Uh, 26. And how long has it been since your parents got divorced? Um, the, I, the divorce started around when I was 13, mm-hmm. is when we were told uh, the separation was taking place. And over the next three years, uh, the divorce officially played out. And then when I was 16, it was permanent. So when you look back now, I mean, do you think divorce was the best thing that happened to your parents? Uh, definitely. Yeah. It's, it was not easy, and there are always constant struggles, but I think um, everyone is better off. Uh, I don't know if I could say that's true for people across the board, but for my parents, it was definitely the right decision. And I think not only are they each individually happier, but for the me and my siblings, we benefited from them not being together. It just was not the right situation. You know, Darby was talking about some of the problems where the uh, the kids are expected to take sides. Were you expected to take sides? Um, I don't think it was something that was consciously uh, sort of provided, but in any situation, mm. there's positives and negatives, and I think you feel the pressure even if you don't want to or you're being told you don't need to. Mm-hmm. They're just sometimes facts that make you choose one thing or the other. And it's really challenging uh, to constantly be feeling caught in the middle. So now as a result of the divorce, do you find that you actually have a better and a healthier relationship with each parent because now you see them as an individual because before you were just seeing them as yeah. fragmented pieces. Um, I think that's definitely the case. I think it forces you to sort of build individual relationships, mm-hmm. and it pushes you to have very frank, honest conversations as you sort of go through a natural healing process with the change. Right. And then in that sense, you sort of build these stronger relationships. So this is what hurt me. Why would you do this? And then from there, you build upon that. Um, and I would say I definitely have better relationships having gone through this with both my parents. What are the ground rules that you and your siblings have set with each one of your parents? Um, I think one thing that we have found that is always sort of a contentious situation are family holidays. Mm -hmm. The one thing we really like to do is try to plan in advance 
what's the plan? Because we share a lot of time and we yeah. have events together and we just like to know in advance this is who's doing what and make sure everyone's on board. And that also helps eliminate us being stuck on uh, choosing sides when it comes to Thanksgiving dinner. We have this plan in advance. Everyone's on board. I think also um, talking extensively about details or times that we spend with the other respective individual we try to avoid. But do you also find that is there any effort made to celebrate something all together as a unit, like if it's a special birthday or a family vacation? Um, Just this past weekend, we were celebrating my brother's graduation as a family, Hmm. uh, everyone together. And I think if we go back to, you guys were talking about some of the most common problems with kids in divorce. Mm -hmm. I think our society builds such a strong idea of a family unit. And to be told your unit is breaking apart is devastating. And I think as like a young individual, you don't understand sort of how that plays out compared to your friends or the other individuals around you. So I think parents being able to highlight that you aren't the only family with issues, everyone has some sort of dysfunction, and you still have a family unit, even if it's not your classic situation, I think is super key. So this weekend we have significant others, aunts, uncles, both my parents, all involved in a monumental event for my brother is really special. But don't they, Don't you find it as a child, do you find it awkward seeing your parents together again on a pretend basis almost? Um, I don't think so. I mm. think we all acknowledge there are massive issues or were massive issues in the past. Right. But by getting divorced, you work through them. It forces you to confront and sort of address those problems. So it's not like they're sitting there saying, oh, we love each other. They're sitting there saying, uh, we love our kids <laughs> and we want to be here to celebrate them. <laughs> but now, I mean, with a relationship with each parent, do you find that in a way you're actually being a parent to them because they might come to you for certain types of advice on, you know, how to live in the modern world, how to have relationships in the modern world. Definitely. And I think also being the oldest sibling, I Mm. often find parenting them on how to best approach situations with my siblings as well. So, like, you know, if they're dating, do they bring their prospects to you or send a photo of... Uh, No, (laughs) it's not a casual interaction when it comes to significant others. Mm -hmm. It's much more formal um, because we take it so seriously as who they're bringing into their life, etc. So how do you, I mean, how how do you handle when they bring a a new partner into their lives? Because sometimes they just might want a casual relationship. Absolutely. I think those uh, casual relationships, we do not want anything We don't want to be a part of that or know about it. It's too hard. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that when they make a formal decision that this is someone that means a lot to them, then we can try to value that. Uh, But I can tell you it's taken a lot of years to get to that place because it's challenging when you first feel like you're going to be replaced or you're, as you you noted, the individual relationship you build with them after the divorce. When a significant other comes into play, it sort of jeopardizes that in your mind, which is upsetting. Has divorce and, and, you know, today's value and approach to relationships, has it changed your outlook on love and marriage? 
that's a great question. I think it definitely has. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I believe in that. I'm definitely more cynical, not jaded per se. That's the wrong word, but right. I recognize that having a long-term relationship takes a lot of work, Mm. um, and it's not easy, and you go through hard times. But I think I'm better off knowing that it isn't a fairy tale, and there's a lot that goes into it. Uh, But I do believe in love. I just think it's not easy, and it's a challenge. What were some of the worst times that you experienced from the age of 13 when all this happened and started? I think it felt like... Um, my world was falling apart. Mm. So, and I also don't think I knew how to, none of my friends' parents at the time were going through this that I knew of, Mm -hmm. so I felt like I was the only one really struggling with this and didn't have an outlet. So until I started seeing um, a therapist, I really struggled with internalizing all the sadness and uh, sort of, the lack of understanding of what the future would be with regards to my family. But, you know, when you're seeing a therapist, it's almost, I guess, the initial meetings, it's embarrassing to talk about the sort Absolutely. of tragedy and that's happened. I cried the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> I think the first two sessions, it was just crying and trying to recognize um, or at least establish some sort of trust. And I would go into the sessions talking about, like, my homework. And by the end, I was talking about whatever conversation I had with my dad or whatever. Hmm. It might have been that was upsetting me that day or that time. And it, it, I would leave feeling like a weight off my shoulders. Like, okay, I can handle this next week or whatever. But let me ask you, Darby. Um, you know, you must be having that same challenge, right? If the kids come to you, they initially don't open up. Right, they don't. Um, So how do you sort of start forming that relationship? It's almost like a relationship with a stranger about their most intimate tragedies that are happening. Well, you can't go right in and discuss. You can't say, especially with younger kids, Mm. how are you dealing with your parents' divorce? You kind of go around it and ask, you know, what things are most difficult, what are they struggling with, what changes seem to work, and what don't. Um, I have a young client right now whose parents have recently separated, and we just talk about the two houses. For him, sort of the code word for divorce is we have two houses now, and and we work around that until he's comfortable being able to talk about what is actually a divorce. Right. And Aviana, you know, when... um if you had to give a message out to people listening and, and you know, young uh-huh. people like yourself, uh, when the divorce is happening, what are the potholes to watch out for that people quite often, you know, get themselves into? I think um, one thing that's common is sort of a lack of honesty. Like you said, like exuding this perfect family image. Uh, but honesty between who? honesty between the parents and the children and I think also acknowledging to those around you that things aren't going well like letting your friends or your close teachers know Mm. you are struggling at home or you are having a bad day or whatever it might be I think that's really important because often I remember feeling like it was me against everything and I was really struggling but not open and not able to talk about it and that was hard. But in your case, I mean, what what do you think was the reason your parents fought about? 
I think a lot of it was um, different trust issues as well as sort of not agreeing on parenting plans or just sort of a lot of things weren't aligned on how they wanted to lead their lives. And I think that causes uh, extreme stress, especially when you have four young kids. But did you ever think, were you ever made to feel that you might have been part of the divorce? Um, no. They did a very good job of making it known that it was because of them. Mm -hmm. um, I was definitely very strong-willed and would fight with my dad as well as my mom did. So I, I think at times I thought maybe if I wasn't so uh, strong-willed or didn't get involved, it might have been easier on everyone. But I think that at the end of the day, my mom assured me that everything was her decision and what she needed, nothing to do for us. And, in, in, you know, when you look back, do you think that actually what made you bitter in the past actually prepared you to make you better going forward? Absolutely. And I think also um, one thing I've definitely recognized and appreciate from having my mom go through this is I recognize if you aren't in a healthy relationship, it's something that you need to get out of. So I really respect and, and appreciate that role model that she sort of set forth whereas other relationships I've seen people continue to struggle through, and that the, the fact that she was able to get out of something that was bad, even if it was a very hard road to get there, now we're all better off. Mm -hmm. It was a good lesson. And what's the sort of advice you could give uh, families who've divorced? Uh, how, what mm -hmm. advice can you give on how to live better going forward? I mean, there must be some sort of rules yeah. within what you guys operate. I think um, planning events where everyone's going to be together in advance is really helpful for us. I think acknowledging that it's not easy and that it's hard on everyone mm -hmm. and sort of kind of taking time to see, okay, my brother struggles with this, my sister doesn't, this is her issue, kind of figuring out what everyone's main pressure points are is important because then you can help sort of ease those situations and i think also just having an open dialogue acknowledging that everyone's struggling with it it's really sad to break apart something uh as strong as a family unit but that the parents are going to make sure that they still operate in a functional way afterwards is important but, you know, does real life work as magically as that? Because at some point there must be, between the two, one who's done more wrong than the other. Oh, absolutely. I think the, the idea, though, that you can keep the lines of communication open is key. Uh, to say that it's all great currently is just not true at all. Mm. But um, I think everything is definitely at a better place than it was, and it's at a place where you're healing and you're able to start building new relationships uh, and that's important. But how do you, how, you know, you're the eldest, right? Sorry, can you repeat that? You're the eldest sibling? Yes. So when the, your younger siblings have mm -hmm. trouble and, and struggle with sometimes the fact that they're not one unit anymore, mm -hmm. uh, how, how do you manage their grief 
Um, that is very hard. I think a lot of times they voice their issues to me because it's easier than going to my parents. Um, but I think it's something I try to then make sure my parents acknowledge. Okay, you guys are doing this not that well. Can you do something better? Or just be aware this hurts so-and-so. So it seems to me when a family divorces... Or when a couple divorces, you know, to a certain extent, I think the family divorces as well. Uh, the elder sibling, it seems to be the sort of uh, mediator, the, 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 mediator, <laughs> the negotiator, the, the exactly. diplomat. So you've probably yeah. had to grow up very fast, very quickly. Yeah, I definitely felt like I took on a big role uh, pretty quickly. Darby, is that true? Is, is that a true guess of mine? Yeah, I believe it's a very common thing. It, mm. it almost kind of automatically happens because you go from this sort of joint parenting unit or a couple to being single, and then the oldest kid usually gets pulled in with more responsibility. Mm-hmm. But end of the day, it seems to we see a lot of much more resilient kids. They've had to deal with some real-life problems, and they actually learn earlier to solve things and actually advocate for themselves. But then, is it healthy if if kids at the end of the day don't want to do family events? It is important to still set certain um, guidelines, like you expect um, them to be at, to use the example of a graduation, we're all going to be here for this or that. But then there are times when you can understand, especially um, as you've told them you're separating, you have to be a little more lenient in saying, okay, well, I get it. You don't have to, you don't have to participate in that. Well, so it does, it gives people, a, the, the children especially, a little bit more of an individual role. They have a little stronger sense of themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really positive thing, especially in today's world where we complain that parents take all the pain and make the decisions for their children. But, but here's an example. I mean, if, if like, um, let's say, uh, a wedding. So say your child's wedding. Um, and, and, and say, if you had an ex-husband, he decides to bring his uh, girlfriend because he's actually going into a serious relationship. Now, the kids don't want that. <laughs> So, I mean, Aviana, what would, what would you, how would you resolve that? Oh, that's really hard. Um, I think that is something where uh, it, being the child in this situation, I would want my dad to sort of respect what his children wanted. Um, but he'll turn around and say, you have to respect what I want. Exactly. So I think that's something where you kind of have to uh, both... I think it has a lot to do with the age of the children. Mm-hmm. Certainly if they're younger, um, they have less control. But I think by the time the kids are older, teens or even early 20s, then we really do have to respect what they're saying. And usually it's a matter the, – the parents need to respect the children as individuals as they get older. And it should but the be parents the going to say the same thing. Married that, or not married. But the parents are going to say the same thing. They're going to say, well, the children need to respect that, you know, I am a uh, 
single man, I'm entitled to fall in love again, and I have fallen in love again. But perhaps they can sort of acknowledge that for that one extremely special event, they mm -hmm. don't need to compromise there. Maybe they go to dinner with this new girlfriend, or they spend time with her on the weekend, or whatever it might be, but maybe the wedding, the one event of like this person's big life yeah. uh, is not the venue where they're sort of sharing that. Well, Aviana, we've come uh, to the end of the first segment. I really want to thank you for uh, joining us. Thank you so much. Uh, a special welcome to our special guest for this segment, a 15-year-old. I'm going to not use your real name. I'm going to call you Grace for the rest of this show. So welcome to the show, Grace. Hi. How are you? I'm good, thank you. You know, whenever I have teenagers or kids on the show, I'm the one who ends up getting nervous. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. so this whole thing. Uh, when, how old were you when when your parents were getting divorced? Let's see. I was about eight or nine. It was in two thousand nine um, when they finally got divorced. So, how did you find out? Um, let's see. Well, I have a younger brother, and I remember we were all still living in the same house, and I remember them telling us to like sit down on the couch and then telling us that they weren't going to live together. Mm. This wasn't actually the official divorce. This is just them telling us they were getting separated and living in separate houses. Right. And they said something like, oh, this might not be, well, permanent. We'll see how it goes. But it sounded pretty final. What were they arguing about? Um, let's see. I don't even remember. It never, it never really had to do with us. It was just... They were very different people, mm -hmm. which I saw a lot more after they separated, and they just didn't just they just didn't agree on a lot of things. And I think sometimes it was even things that weren't a big deal, but when you really don't just like agree with people on things, those little things can kind of become a big fight. So what did you feel? You're sitting on that couch. They're telling you that you know they're going to live apart and see how things go. That famous sentence, and we'll still be friends, right. and we still love you. How did you feel? Right. I remember that being told us a lot. We still love you a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. I remember being a little confused because I don't think I had heard a lot about divorce or other people being divorced when I was younger. I feel like after my parents got divorced, I started noticing all over the place all these people with divorced parents. But until then, I didn't really understand. I remember, obviously, it was sad and kind of scary. I was young. I didn't really understand. Like, my parents had always been this, together, so mm. it was just a big change, but maybe not all entirely unexpected. I mean, they fought a lot, so it kind of just felt like the next step. I don't know. Like, I didn't think, oh, it's going to, oh, they're going to get separated when I saw them fighting, but when they sat us down and told us that, it made sense. So there was a, like a gut instinct that, you know, this seems to be, like, happening for real. Right. I remember being, like, as a little kid, like, the second they told me this, this thing I didn't really understand, I remember having a lot of questions, like, well, who's moving out, and where are you going to live, and are we going to get to see you, and things like that. Mm. And, and Darby, you know, um, in your practice, do you find that, Kids who are not teenagers and those who are, there seems to be a sort of a, a separate behavioral pattern in terms of acceptance and coming to terms and managing and handling this grief. 
You know what? I don't think that there is. I think even with older kids, even if their parents divorce when they're in their 20s and 24, 25, I see the same response. It's kind of funny. You'd think the older kids wouldn't feel that same sort of jarring, what's going to happen to us. Mm -hmm. But I feel it's very similar. I think it's it kind of, we see regression immediately when we hear that. And I've found that pretty much across the board, regardless of age. So, yeah, okay, regression across all the ages. But do you find maybe the teenagers show more regression? You know what? I actually find that teenagers show more resiliency. They suddenly have been brought into a situation, and one thing, this is a topic for another show completely, but one thing I think we do with teenagers is we don't give them uh, sort of a sense of responsibility and reality. We kind of protect them, and we tell them no a lot about going out and being wild or whatever it is that they're doing, but we don't really treat them as if they're young adults that can understand and maybe make these decisions and help us. So I have found with many divorced children after the initial shock, mm. if they're teenagers, they are much more grown up and actually can participate in a uh, way that we don't see other teenagers responding to. But are you, con- are you saying their resiliency, can that be sort of a camouflage of bottling things up? Um, I think they're different. I... I think the pain could be covered up Hmm. because it's just something, it's very painful, but like many things in life, um, you have no option. Right. So it builds resiliency. So I I think that's very important. (laughs) I I wouldn't suggest it as an outcome, a way to build resiliency, but I do feel it's a very important positive piece Mm -hmm. of divorce. Coming back to you, Grace. Uh, there must have been some real tough moments in you, sort of your interaction with each parent. You know, where you're sort of letting off steam and you're so confused and, and angry and helpless, I guess. Uh, right. Can you share with us some moments where that happened? Um, well, I think the hardest thing for me, I was I was very young, so I don't know if I completely understood it, but the hardest thing was really seeing... My parents go through it, and also my brother, too. It was hard. He Is your brother, brother younger than you? Yes, he's hmm. 13 now. I'm 15, so we're two years apart. And right. he really doesn't do well change. I've always feel like I've adapted much better than him. Mm-hmm. So this was, I mean, crazy. I remember when, whenever they were fighting, and it was never like screaming fighting. It was just disagreeing. I remember he would always go up to them in the middle of them and be like, stop talking, stop talking, because he just didn't want any disagreement in our house. But the hardest thing was seeing our parents go through it. These are are people who had been, like, strong for me my whole life. As a little kid, you look up to your parents, and even if they punish you, like, they're kind of, I don't know, like, superpowers in the house. I don't know. They seem to know everything. But did that image fade away once the divorce happened and it was going through? Because now that whole image that you have of them like, you know, superhumans. Uh, And sometimes, you know, when when you have a breakup, uh, that image shatters as well. Right. Like the infatuation stage. Yeah. (laughs) Well, 
sort of. They they became more human, I feel like, in my mind. Like, Did you become more I, superhuman, though? Mm, because you did you have to grow up faster, get more mature very quickly? Maybe, because especially because this was right around the time when I was becoming a, a preteen and then, of course, a teen. So my brother was very young when all of this kind of went down. So I don't know if... It, I feel like this has been his way of life since as long as he's remembered. Mm. But for me, things were already changing. With um, my friends, I went to a new school, and then my parents were splitting up. It was just a lot of things kind of on top of each other. So do you, found, do you find you've actually grown up faster than your friends? Maybe. Let me think. I think yes. I've... It's... A very hard experience. We had actually a really great um, way that everything turned out. You know, my parents both loved us a lot, and we get to see them all the time. It's very equal, and they work together on rules. But for as well as it turned out for us, it was still a pretty traumatic experience to have your whole kind of childhood, like your idea of these parents, like the biggest people in your life, being changed. So I think it did... I do feel like I grew up faster maybe than some of my friends. But do you as do you guys operate as a unit in certain times of the year? Do you still do family vacations and do you get together for Thanksgiving and other holidays? You mean the two my mom and my dad? Yeah. Oh no, no. We have they're very separate lives. The only thing they get together and work on is like rules for us. Mm. My brother and I. Like my dad has a new wife, and we, they have two kids, and then my mom has a boyfriend. Um, so how do you cope with that? Different. How do you cope with your dad having a new wife? Well, let's see. They got engaged maybe a year after divorce. That was pretty... That was serious. quick. And then married, like, very soon after. Mm. But she was really nice. I think it might be tougher for people who really didn't like the parent. Right. But I've always been a pretty easygoing kid, and... No, like, but you're easygoing because your dad's new wife is is nice, right? Exactly. But you know, forget so, forget her. But talk about uh, the fact that dad is now with another person. Mm-hmm. That concept, well, because now it's almost like your family was split in two, but now he's got another family. So you're actually there's more jigsaw puzzles. There are more jigsaw pieces to this puzzle. How how do you come to terms with that? I think with my dad, it felt all right, actually. Mm. I was, mm, he's, it wasn't actually that strange, I feel like. Even when they had kids, you know, this is like his other family. I've never felt like excluded or never felt left out. I was becoming a teenager and I actually liked having space. Like I liked going to his house and he was always busy with the kids or with, Julie, the new wife, or that sort of thing. I kind of liked it. Like, I liked having personal space. And then I'd go to my mom's house, and it was all about family time and being with her. And I think with my mom and her new boyfriend, that was tougher on Calvin and I. I mean, my brother and I, because I feel like we were more protective of her in a way. I feel like with my dad, he, we didn't feel like he needed to be protected as much. So your mom's new boyfriend wasn't that someone who totally met with your approval? He's very nice. He's very respectful. I think he's a great guy. I just think who 
he was standing for, like the new dad, like the new man of the house. Mm. It was much more of a power position, I feel like, whether he was acting on that or not. Like he's very nice and quiet. (laughs) He's great. But with my stepmom, it was just kind of less of that. My dad was still kind of the one who controlled everything at that house. Right. So I guess having a stepdad kind of figure come in. So did you, did you ever, I mean, did, did your mom ever sense that you like your stepmom more than you like your stepdad? And did she ever question why and then try and get to the bottom of it? Um, yes. I remember actually having a conversation with her a couple of years ago where it was so hard for me to explain because this guy, the stepdad, he's so great. He's so nice. I didn't understand why it was harder to deal with him coming into the picture than my stepmom. But I remember us talking about it. I have a very open, I have very open relationships with both of my parents. Mm. And it, they actually got even better after the divorce because it's hard to have good relationships with people who they just are having a tough time. There's right. a lot of tension. It's, it's always easier to be hap- um, happy and better friends with happy people. Mm-hmm. So they were unhappy at this time, so it was harder for us to have good relationships too, right? not just each other. But Darby, um, coming, getting your advice on this, you know, when, when, when kids are faced with the stepmom, stepdad, and there's always going to be one person they like more and one person that they're not sure about or dislike, uh, how do you advise a situation like that? Well, I think that um, Grace touched on something that's very important, mm. that it's, what I would do is counsel people to, and especially young kids or teenagers, to separate is it the person or is it the role they're playing. Because if it's the person, it's, it's more difficult to make those adjustments. If it's the role they're playing, which Grace described as, you know, her mom's boyfriend was a great person, but he was just filling a different role, then, um, you know, the kid's maybe felt a little like they might be left out more, or mm-hmm. there would be more distance for them, then I think that's a really important thing for us to discuss. So in therapy, we would talk about what could be done, how could the parent be informed and be more inclusive of what the kids were feeling. All right. And Gra- that's an important distinction. So, Grace, I want to ask you, do you get into a situation where um, – all four adults are there, you know, your, your, your dad and your stepmom and your mom and your stepdad. Yes, I've been in situations like that. So how does it feel? Sometimes it feels a little awkward. Mm. Being with just my mom and dad actually is less awkward because uh, it's usually just them talking, even if it's all of us four. Yeah. Because I always wonder how my step-parents feel, actually, because... They don't really have a lot of like power in that situation. They can't really give their insight, or because they're not like the main parents, kind of. But um, it, is it a situation where you would be happy to continue having, or do you think it just needs to stop? Well, it doesn't happen very often. It only happens when it really needs to, like if I've um, broken a rule or they're discussing new rules for both of the houses. So it doesn't really happen that often. I think if it happened often, like every week, Mm. I might be upset. But I think it just depends on what your parents are like. My parents get along pretty well for divorced parents, at least what I've seen with other people. They really try to work together. 
and make the rules pretty similar at both houses, which mm-hmm. is nice because then it's not confusing going from one house to another and having to kind of change my whole way of being. But in your situation, I mean, were you ever asked to take sides? Mm-hmm. Or are you asked to take sides now? I don't think as much when we were younger because they kind of just controlled everything we did. Yeah, so now they might, ask we you, they might ask okay. you to take sides now by having a logical argument. Right. So you know, sort of convincing you through logic that, you know, you should side up with me, then we can approach mom and then change her mind. Um, sometimes. They've been pretty careful about it because it's really tough feeling like you're in the middle. Mm. Um, one thing that's always been interesting is it's kind of like a game of telephone. Like one parent will tell me something and then I'll go talk to the other parent and then the parents get mad at each other because they're like, that's not what I said, or I don't know, it just becomes this whole... Oh, so it's good deal. to have a conference call all the time. Right, and the other thing that's hard, though, is I would sometimes I would rather bring up a topic to the other parent because sometimes I feel like when my parents talk, they one of them purposely will not agree with the other just because they generally don't agree and generally don't like each other. Whereas if I talk to the other parent about something... Um, like say I talk to mom about something dad wants me to bring up, mm-hmm. then mom is generally more open and okay with it because it's coming from her daughter who she loves, not her ex-husband. Wow. So there's a lot of family, <laughs> no, like, just more, a lot yeah, of family dynamics and politics and things like that. It's normal human behavior, I guess. Exactly. Right. Um, but then I get stuck in the middle, so that gets a little bit tough. So Darby, I mean, in this whole stuck in the middle, you know, divorce sort of, pushing the family into a different structure. Um, post-divorce, what are the best ways on handling these new power play positions between the parents and the kids and the new stepmom and stepdad? Well, it, it's really important to be aware of that, mm-hmm. that it can be happening. And... Again, the the biggest problem that I see is the parents getting caught in a little bit of this power play, getting caught in the issues they have between themselves to try and manipulate the kids. And a lot of times it's not totally conscious, but that can be the most destructive piece. So the best part is really, as um, Grace suggested, to have the parents, especially with big issues, in the same room with the child so we don't get this back and forth. We can always see the kind of pitting mom against dad or, mm. you know, my stepmom said this and then dad agreed with her and not me. And that can be really divisive and destructive for the kids. I, I guess it's also very natural for one of the parents to feel and expose and express their vulnerability when the ex gets into a new relationship. Yeah, it's it's very common, and especially mm. if one of, you know, the one doesn't have a relationship and the other does, it can be a tricky situation. But again, I can't urge enough that those things, as much as it's hard to control, the parents need to keep the kids out of that because that can be devastating. Again, the child then feels like they have to take sides and stand up for one person more or maybe protect them a little bit. Right. And it really puts a lot of pressure on children, and that makes it unhealthy. That makes divorce really 
hard. And and Grace, did you ever uh, get into that situation where you know? Either your mom or your dad. I don't know who found the relationship first. My father met the relation, found the relationship first, so he was dating. And then, you know, when your mom found out, was she a little upset? Um, I think she hid it pretty well from us, if she was. Mm-hmm. I think she was a little bit disapproving at first of the fact that it had only been a year before they got married. Right. Like they met and then a year later got married because she's always taken her time with relationships. And, and, and the funny thing is, though, she's taken her time with relationships, but uh, even after taking time, you're not 100% behind your mom's relationship. Right. As much as you are with your dad's. I think one thing is, with my dad, it's always felt more secure because they got married and then they had kids, so I wasn't really... I think one thing I was... I kind of... that panicked me about my mom's boyfriend is part of me was wondering, what if they break up? You know, having a boyfriend isn't really that serious. I mean, it is, especially because it was for a long time, but it's not very official. Mm. I think sometimes I would stress about, well, what if, you know, he breaks up with her and then we're like way back, right back to where we started and everything will get really emotional. And so as a young, mature woman, your idea of relationship is something that has substance and, and can be sort of uh, has a certain level of respect to it. So you're looking for a relationship for your mom that actually goes into marriage? Maybe. I don't know what I was really looking for. I think... I have always liked my parents with other people better than alone mm-hmm. because I think that when they're alone, they end up thinking about the other parent or stressing more about kids' stuff. I think it's always good to have, for them, it's always been good for them to have be in relationships. Um, what would you advise your friends if they were going through the same problem? I would advise them and tell them to try not to get in the middle of things, to mm-hmm. definitely talk to people if they are. And to I think it just depends on how your relationships with your parents already were and what your parents are like. But it really helps to have open relationships with your parents and be able to talk to them. But it also really helps to have other people because sometimes if you're talking to mom about dad, then, I don't know, it just feels kind of awkward because you feel like you're kind of ganging up against dad because obviously mom doesn't really like dad. Yeah, and mom's only going to reinforce that fact, right? It'll be like a told-you-so sort of concept. Right. Um, I think it definitely helps to be doing a lot of different things, mm-hmm. um, hanging out with other people. But do you find um, they're actually better parents to you now? I think, yes, definitely. They still work together on rules, mm. but it's nice. Like, we have very separate lives. And people always joke about the whole, oh, when you're divorced, you have two Christmases and you have more clothes. And that's not so much – the material stuff isn't so much of a benefit, but it is kind of nice to have two different environments. Like, I have one house that's a lot quieter and another house where we eat out more and another house – it's it's actually nice because you kind of get the best of both worlds instead of just one family. Well, that's a beautiful way of looking at it. And, and uh, 
Grace, thank you for sharing your experiences. Yeah, no problem. Wishing you all the best going forward. Thanks, you too. Darby? Thank you. Darby, let us know, where can we get in touch with you? You can find me at DarbyFox.com mm. on the website or at Darby at DarbyFox on Twitter or Facebook. They're the same. Um, and there's a place on the website where you can ask questions. You certainly can do that with Twitter. And you can reach me. I can give you a phone number once you've reached me with one of those social media contacts. Well, as always, wonderful to have you back. Well, thank you for having us. And thank I hope you for that bringing... gives a, a little more positive spin on uh, on how healthy children can be yep. after the process of divorce. Thanks, Darby. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. That was a wonderful Darby Fox. Your comments on your follow are so very welcome on my Twitter and Facebook. A special shout-out of thanks to my wonderful team, William Sanchez and Rick Buser. I'll see you next Sunday. Have a productive and a very happy week ahead.